Alright, welcome everyone. This is the first recording of just messing around, I guess. Don't have a title for this sh for uh, a show yet, but you know we're we're gonna we're just gonna give it a go and see where this takes us, right? Got my guest yeah. here, <laughs> guest yeah, slash co-host. <laughs> more more of a guest. I'm I'm letting you lead. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that then. We'll go with that. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name's Alan Wynn. Uh, I've been a software engineer for what eight years now ish and uh yeah i mean i don't know what else there is to say i'm just software engineering doing whatever software engineers do software engineers doing whatever software engineers do you know i've i found that in the last couple of months that includes a lot of very random things including sourdough projects you've got a couple projects <laughs> of your own <laughs> I can't say sourdough is one of them, though. <laughs> that that might be COVID-specific. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's COVID-specific. But... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, man, like, I I thought my, my job was just going to be sitting here and just hitting the keyboard all day. That's not not necessarily true. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I, I couldn't do that. I I couldn't do that. Even when I was in the office, I couldn't like actually spend time coding for more than like, I don't know, a couple hours a day, like maybe three or four hours at the most. That's like a super productive day for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, given the amount of distractions, whether you're in office or at home, I, I don't know if you can go like eight hours straight coding. If you can, I mean, more power to you, but definitely not me and from sounds of it definitely not you <laughs> yeah no no yeah so that I, I i found that when we started going remote i just had a lot of extra time and uh, a lot of extra downtime <laughs> <laughs> even even as a, a manager yeah i mean uh, i think uh the first couple of months i i spent a bit of it um trying to to connect with people you know and trying to stay in touch and everything doing a lot of meetings but at some point, like, people start to to kind of withdraw, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've seen that, especially in, in uh, working remotely. Yeah. I, and back, background information, I've been full 100% remote for the last four years. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you've been at this way longer than most people. Yeah, yeah, pre-COVID. <laughs> you were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> feels like ages ago man <laughs> but yeah no like i'm 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 guilty of that too i i'm very prone to just leave me alone i just want to do my own thing um you know sometimes that's not necessarily coding it's just taking a breather mm -hmm. uh, yeah but seriously like i work at home i'm generally the only one here and yet i still get distracted <laughs> yeah it's crazy like what, what? What are a couple of things that's like that, that's a what, what's a common distraction for you? Well, so so luckily I don't have kids right now, so that's definitely not one of them. But I can imagine oh, that's God. a big one for, for most people. Um, like my dog, every every hour or so she wants to go outside. That, that takes <laughs> literally pulls me out of my work and and just just to open a door for her, and then fifteen twenty minutes later, open it again. Mm -hmm. um and i don't know how common this is for folks but for me it takes a good 15 20 minutes to actually 
rebuild the mental model of whatever the heck I was working on yeah, and then get back to it. So just having that, that little interruption really takes a lot of time, even if it's just literally walking to my back door and opening it. Like it, it's crazy. That's that is. Yeah. And, uh, and to have like a really active dog doing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's, she's, she's just over two years old. So like, that's just one of the things she does. Other times she'll just come in and stick her face on my, on my lap and just wants Aww. attention. <laughs> oh, that's adorable though. That's adorable. So though. It's, it's like, how do you not right her and play with her? Right. So yeah. that's, that's definitely one thing. And, you know, obviously mailmen, uh, UPS drivers stopping by, she's barking up a storm. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say you <laughs> were distracted by the UPS every hey, time hey, a car I mean, comes by. Only if I knew something was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so, like Christmas every day. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious at this point, uh, since you've been remote a lot longer than most people, uh, when people say that remote workers are less, uh, less effective, how do you feel about that? Like, what's your take on that? Oof. I, <laughs> so, so you know, having having also been an in-office worker, I can probably tell you that I am. I would like to argue that I'm more productive working remotely. Mm. Strangely enough, um, and here's why: in office, even even if I have headphones in and just doing my thing, I'm more prone to someone coming tapping on my shoulder and saying, "Hey." what's going on with such and such, whatever they're working on, whatever I'm working on uh, that yeah. right there isn't a distraction. And then that can end up leading to a uh, water cooler type conversation and just derails my entire afternoon because I'm talking about who knows what <laughs> working remotely though. I, I have the choice, the, the conscious choice to say, I have a message on my Slack. Do I respond to it now or later? Right. Mm. If if I'm knee deep in trying to fix a bug, uh, you know, I can just mute my notifications for a good hour and say, I'm just going to focus on whatever I'm working on and knock it out instead of dealing with random distractions that might come in from being in office. So th th there's that trade off. There's also the argument to be made that having those water cooler conversations might actually help keep morale up and if your morale's you know in a good place <laughs> you tend to do better maybe more efficient work um and and one one aspect of remote culture is how how do we keep folks engaged with each other such that they don't you know isolate themselves yeah yeah that's that's such a uh, that's such a challenging thing like i had a really hard time adjusting because I'm, I'm i'm i just tend to be a lot more social in office and uh i mean water cooler conversations were like my king that, that was my bread and butter <laughs> still is still is still is yeah so it, oh yeah yeah without that it's it's uh it's hard and i i think that there's there's certainly companies that just need a more um i don't know collaborative culture they just need a little bit more uh i guess social fabric and then there's a couple of, and then there's like other companies that don't necessarily need that as much, right? It kind of yeah. just depends. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say that I noticed that with smaller companies, that social fabric is 
a little less stringent, a little less required, only because uh, generally smaller companies are startups, in my experience. Um, and so they're trying to move quickly. They're trying to get more work out the door so they can either get first to market or whatever, what have you. Yeah. And so there's there's less of a need to actually interact with each other that isn't mission related. But then when you have larger companies, I think having the cohesion of folks and having that communication channel open a lot of times keeps people engaged. Mm. Um, when, when and, and I, obviously I feel after saying that, I feel like it can apply either direction, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's more of an observation. Yeah. Um, no, I think that and, that's, I think that's valid. And that, that's not to say that, you know, these companies aren't trying, the full remote companies aren't trying to keep folks engaged. I, I had a previous employer who um, encouraged folks to take, or, you know, encouraged teams to take an hour out of their Fridays to play video games with each other. Right? <laughs> that's that's pretty legit. Yeah. Um, but it, it sort of, you know, builds sort of the, the non-professional relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't feel like everyone's just, business all day every day yeah um, and i think that really helped uh, actually it was probably one of the the teams that i actually enjoyed working with the most did you guys end up doing that on a pretty consistent basis like fridays oh, yeah. video every, games every friday <laughs> and you know those those video games ranged from uh uh was it the, what was it what's the virtual tabletop thing on steam the tabletop simulator or yeah that that thing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> That that one was a big one. Uh, there's there's I can't remember some of the other ones, but some random flash games that you'd find on the web. We would do. Oh, those are fun. Uh, those are still fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that that was really fun. Yeah. I haven't I haven't had a another company in my experience do that before. So that was yeah. that was unique to that one. It's so interesting because like we tried um, at my company, we we tried to start like implementing some of those things, but people. I, I can't tell if this was just entirely because it was new to them working remotely or if it was like the the, the world burning down around us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at you know, on Fridays or, or towards the end of the day on any day, people would um, sort of just kind of check out a little bit, you know. And even yeah. if you're like, all right, let's have a virtual happy hour or something and, and play some games. People are like, eh. it's like novel for yeah. all 15 minutes. And then we don't we don't quite get uh yeah, we don't quite get more out of that. Right. I I think, too, it, it really depends on the personalities at play. You, you, you have folks who don't really care for that that type of thing. And so virtual happy hours just don't have as much weight behind it as a in-person happy hour. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm still a big fan of in-person happy hours. <laughs> I, I'd like to say the same, but it's been years since I've had one of those. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's a, that's a challenge and a half. It's a challenge. Oh, yeah. 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 But like, am, am I every company I've worked for who's who's done remote, we've had the virtual water cooler channels, but mm. all I've seen from those are crickets. No one, no one ever participates in those. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what, what kind of participation do you guys get on, on a, a regular basis? Like what's, what's the equivalent of the water cooler chat Ooh. that actually happens and people actually partake? At my current company, not a whole lot. I, I I don't I don't see it 
or at least I'm not invited to them. Maybe that's, that's <laughs> maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, apparently. How, <laughs> how can you not invite me though? I'm 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 a joy at parties. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so at, at least for the the team that I was on, um, our our team lead had actually started a couple of very niche, uh, casual chat rooms around very specific things, fountain pens uh... and. And I started one for mechanical keyboards because yeah. I'm all about it right now. Um, and so there's there's like maybe a comment here and there, but not not a whole lot of participation, which is yeah. a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, like I don't think there's any initiative at our current employer to try to get people engaged off of actual work. It's it's hard. It's hard. Like I and that's that's the the biggest thing that I was uh, struggling with as well. It's like I I again, I couldn't tell if it's just the world around us on fire and it kind of feels strange to be like putting a lot of time and effort into like a like a social fabric kind of a thing when we're all remote, but yeah, it, it just couldn't find much that got a lot of uh, traction. Yeah, I that that one I think is going to be an ongoing problem, no matter where you go. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's it's hard doing it over over like a Zoom call or or anything. So yeah, <laughs> if if anyone knows the solution, I'm I'm all ears. Yeah, if anyone has yeah exactly, if anyone has suggestions, I've that's that's the other thing that's been really um I, I I'm getting a little tired of it too. It's uh that for that first couple of months when everybody started going remote, there was no shortage of like top 10 tips for, for remote work and, and all of those kinds of suggestions, they're all the same. And mm -hmm. they, I, I, I don't know. I, none of them really worked for me. None of them really felt quite right. So I, I don't know if you were, felt similar. Did, did, did it always feel like it was forced? Oh, like it wasn't so, authentic? Forced. <laughs> so forced. So <laughs> forced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm 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 gonna pivot here for a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I I do I do miss going in office. I, I won't lie about that. Uh, I do miss actual in-person water cooler conversations, going out to lunch <laughs> with folks. Oh, lunch is my favorite. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you know, like it's 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 the small things that add up. I don't, I wouldn't say from from a productivity standpoint. I don't think there's much of a difference, at least for me. Um. But, you know, again, depends on personality. Some folks yeah. thrive on in-person interactions. Some folks don't. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Do you think... I, I, now, I'm, now I'm curious. Do you think that everyone at some base level has that desire? That kind of social uh, desire there? And maybe it's the ones that... Uh, don't seem to enjoy it are just ones that haven't quite found the group for them. Ooh, ooh, you're getting into sociology here. Uh, <laughs> I want to say yes. You're going to say, say yes. yes. And 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 for context, I do not have a background in sociology. Uh, yeah, <laughs> neither of us do. I mean, so. yeah. <laughs> this is all speculation at this point. Don't don't quote me on anything. Don't quote me on on your academic papers. Yeah. Um, I want to say yes. Uh, humans are a a, in my opinion, and observations, a, a social species. Um, we, to some extent, need it to thrive. 
Mm. Uh, there's there's a reason you can't really do anything on your own efficiently, right? <laughs> um, there's there's just skill sets and problems that you will face that you don't have the skill set for. And in order to get those skill sets, you do need to interact with other folks, whether that's to learn from them, from mentorship or or whatever. Like that interaction is key to survival, to thriving, to to whatever. Right. Like, I don't know if I could 100% live off on an island by myself, even <laughs> if I had gigabit fiber. Like, yeah. There's no way. Oh, I've heard a lot of that sentiment uh, lately where people are like, you know, I really love work from home. I, I think we, I, if I had it my way, we would do this for forever. And, and I, I'm always like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could. I think you could get. I, I think you would get very, very bored of it very quickly. And people have. <laughs> and people have. <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's true. I mean, I think there's a little bit of nuance in that, in, in the sense that they might be able to do it for work all mm -hmm. day, every day. But just as a whole, they still have friends. They still have yeah. family that they want to go see. Like, there's, there's no reason that if you had some good coworkers that you became friends with that you'd be fine with just never seeing them again, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you think everyone and... needs work? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Well, what, was, what was your question? Do you think everyone needs work friends? Ooh. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no? <laughs> D depends. Depends. Um, I, th I think there is an inherent value in turning that professional relationship into a more casual one it, yeah. only in the sense that it makes it easier to work with them if you know that they're a good person behind their work facade right like we, we all come to work with us like a, a, a personality and <laughs> we try to mold that personality depending on what the company needs and the personalities we work with once you understand who the person is underneath that facade it makes it so much easier to interact with them because you're not trying to figure out what their intentions are you're not trying to figure out uh, you know, what they know, what they don't know, knowing them as a person removes an entire aspect of interact, like com complexity from mm. that interaction. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, when you, when you think in terms of the cognitive load that you're dealing with at work, <laughs> all the personalities that you're working with, that's that's a lot of processing your brain's doing. If if you can just remove one one little layer of complexity from that, you you become so much more productive. You become so much more sociable yeah. and easier to work with yourself. Right. I really like that. I really like that perspective. That's a I've I've never really thought about it in the in those terms, but it makes perfect sense. You know, you're right. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of cognitive complexity that uh people will will add to the equation and if you can simplify that even just a little bit yeah it's it's I, absolutely I, brain cycles that i you're mean saving. Here, here's 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 a really good example too say you 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 might know a person you think you know a person introduce a third person into the mix right In, introduce a new engineer into the team the dynamics shift you can tell the dynamics shift yeah you know, and and that's not because the person has changed. It's because you've added a layer of complexity into whatever bubble yeah. you were in. Yeah. And so, if if you can find 
who the person is and and their authentic self it just makes it easier to mm. to see how those dynamics play out and you don't have to play this guessing game of is this person going to work well with this other person how do i interact with both of them in the same room if i i don't know <laughs> what their intentions are right and that that, that goes more, more like beyond just at work that that literally applies to your relationships outside of work too so yeah, I mean, <laughs> does it, does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, I think that 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 was uh, I I think that was an uh, an awesome little tangent we went on. I I think that that's so true, and I don't think a lot of people pay attention to that necessarily. You know, uh, what's what's even more interesting? I think people are taught and uh, encouraged to do almost the exact opposite, right? To find that professional persona that you're supposed to have, master mm-hmm. that. And then bring that to work every day, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's it's it's interesting, especially in the last five five years maybe ish, that there's a big push for diversity in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Part part of that diversity means being okay with this person and their personality, right? Yeah. So, so we're we're seeing a shift from be 100% professional, whatever that might mean to that company, to be accepting of this other person, no matter where they came from, no matter what their personality is. You know what's, right? you know what's really interesting about what you just said there? It, it takes a perspective that I think is a little bit nuanced and, and not necessarily uh, obvious, I, I, I guess. I, I as a as as a manager I I see diversity and inclusion talked about as like a uh as a metric that we need to improve right but there's an element of what you just said that I I think it's missed it's that your your existing employees cultures have to be okay with that they have to start to both recognize and accept other personalities, other types, uh, other um, more diverse individuals, mm-hmm. and and that's mm-hmm. not exactly something that I I don't know I don't I feel like I don't hear that very much. No, no, in, in fact, uh, so low key you didn't hear it here. My <laughs> my employer might not like me saying this, but I you know I've been looking at job postings, and you'd be surprised at how often that diversity isn't actually pointed out pointed out in their their policies mm-hmm. and i mean maybe maybe that's just the jobs that i'm looking at but it, <laughs> it feels like we're just at the beginning of that that shift in thinking and it's it's not going to be overnight i mean <laughs> this is literally a cultural shift like not a work culture shift yeah like a whole like an industry size societal cultural shift yeah yeah you see it in politics you see it literally everywhere um and it's 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 finally now starting to drip to computer science and software you know one of the biggest things i complain about with within software and tech and all of that is just that there there feels there seems to be like the the progressive edge that uh, a lot of companies, uh, the, the good ones that you always hear about and, want to, and people are always wanting to work for, um, and they're, they're much more progressive in that sense, you know, adopting a lot, new, uh, a lot of new ideas, a lot of new um, thoughts. But 
there's a lot of other companies out there, a lot of the other pieces of tech that don't necessarily adopt that just yet, right? They're still doing the uh, the brain teaser interview questions. They're still, <laughs> their, their offices oh, yeah. are very uh, homogenous, to mm -hmm. put it lightly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cubicles for all. Yeah, cubicles for everybody. <laughs> Although I, I hear those are those are uh, coming back a little bit. Oh, I <laughs> People bet. want their I space. Bet. Hey man, op open spaces are loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's it's just interesting to see. Uh, I'm I'm curious how much of them are are trying. How much of them truly believe in in diversity versus wanting to use it as a tool to bring in more more bodies right yeah yeah like i i i, I don't want to say that we're all <laughs> this, this, <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get hit with a reality uh w once this hits hits the wild but i feel <laughs> like you know with with corporations in general you know you're always looking for for an edge over your competitors right mm -hmm part of that is hiring the best people when when you know that the next generation of, of folks are coming into the workforce and knowing that they're a little more focused on on equality and diversification how much of that plays into we just want to get these these heads out of the market right keep them for our own first versus actually caring about those issues right I think that uh, I, I think that you're absolutely right there. Uh, I mean, we see it with basically every major world uh, world event or, or current happening, right? Every every company, if their marketing department is savvy, they've they've got a little they've got a little Instagram filter for you to use. They've got a little uh, "We're here to help" or, or any of those kinds of common messages, right? It's so it's so bad that pretty much every time you can you can go onto YouTube and find like a generic just a, a kind of meme -y, uh version of a <laughs> version of an advertisement right they're yep. like we're yep. here to help we care about you we want the best we're you know we're here right. with our our chips so buy them because that's going to make all of this better for some reason <laughs> right right it's it's literally marketing marketing but for your jobs yeah like <laughs> everything go everything boils down to marketing <laughs> oh yeah I mean, it works. <laughs> yeah. If you want to take the cynics approach to it. Yeah. If you want to take the cynical <laughs> viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'd like for our industry to, you know, move forward a lot quicker on a lot of these things, but you're, you're right. You know, it, it it's, uh, one of those things you got to take it a day at a time and whatever whatever positive difference you can make then that's that's worthwhile but it's going to take a lot it's going to take everybody yep that's that's why every interview i go into that's one of my questions is what are what are you guys doing to to push forward diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. have you what what kind of a uh would you share some answers that you've gotten you're asking me to pull something out of memory <laughs> <laughs> i'm not my my brain's not optimized for for reads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I mean, so the 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 latest the latest one I heard that, and I'm gonna paraphrase here because I can't fully remember, is uh, that they they do have they, you know, that company 
had formed an initiative uh, uh, I want to call it a guild but like a, a, a subcommittee to sort of mm. oversee initiatives that would help with uh, diversity and inclusion and they had appointed um, several female staff to to oversee it you know putting putting people into these leadership positions to make sure that change is happening um, and especially asking for people who have a stake in seeing that inclusion happen to lead it, right? Um, and I think that's great, right? Uh, part part of diversity and inclusion is putting the, putting these people who are underrepresented underrepresented into positions of where they have power to make decisions on behalf of the company. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, other ones I've heard, well, I don't I don't really have a negative example because part part of the interview process is them selling themselves to me. So that's that's true. <laughs> or so do you have I, an ex- I, I, I guess do you have an example of one that that felt uh, maybe inauthentic? Mm. Mm. I'm trying to think. I haven't done a lot of interviews recently, so I don't. I can't say that I have a, a large pool to pull from. Oh, that's that's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, I. Either way, the the I diversity and inclusion is just one of those things that's it's it's so very hard to get right, and the only ones that actually do get it right are the ones that really do care about it, and mm-hmm. it, uh, otherwise, it really does come off very very. Um, yeah inauthentic and uh and and and, you know honestly i'm not gonna say that you can't trick people uh into like thinking that you're on the right side or any of that like i i've seen it you know i've seen companies like uh i'm sure we've all been in that position where companies will say really nice grandiose kinds of things that uh instill a lot of confidence and then when uh when it comes time to actually live up to those things, they, they, they kind of fall flat, right? We've all kind of felt that before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Follow the money. <laughs> yeah, follow, follow the money. Yeah. It, I, one, one thing to caveat my answer to is I'm, I'm, I've, I've only applied to companies who have that as a, a, a focal point in their, mm. their business, right? So I don't expect to get an inauthentic answer from, from these companies because right. it, sh- it shows in in the people on the team that they they have on their uh team page or in one of their actual uh guiding policies for their company mm. the, their their values right um and a, a combination of their policies plus who who's on their team tells yeah. me that they live up to the standards that they're putting out there so i don't i don't anticipate uh an inauthentic answer from from these companies only because I'm applying to the ones that yeah. seem to be living up to them. Yeah, you're you're kind of already picking out the ones that that are looking positive in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess that kind of a uh, that kind of uh, puts an interesting question in my head. I'm curious, uh, what advice would you have for people who are looking for their next role? As someone who's Ooh. seen a lot. <laughs> And as someone who's also looking for his next role, yeah. um, like what things are important to you? Let's start with that. I I, I think for well, what's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put 
put a pin in that part right there, what's yeah. important to me, and focus more on what advice I can give to others. Yeah. Is before before even looking for a job, right? Write down what you want in your short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals, right? And what that does is it sets you up for a a career trajectory, right? It it doesn't have to be grandiose like I want to be CEO. It could be. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that that can't be part of your short-term, medium-term or long-term goals, but have something to work towards, right? And so once you have that list, you can start then seeing what the company's building and how that company's products align with your goals. If if you're focused on just just you know, learning a new language, it probably, or learning a specific language here, uh, as my example, say you want to learn, I don't know, what's, what's a hot language these days? Oh, I don't know. I've been out of the coding game for a while. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say Elixir. It's yeah, only because sure. that's what I'm working in right now. So you wanted to learn Elixir and that's part of your short and medium term goals, right? It probably doesn't serve you well to go to a company that's working in Java, right? <laughs> Right. Um, so just just having a base understanding of what you want to do already eliminates a good chunk of the market for you in terms of, of available jobs. Now, is is that going to guarantee that you'll get a job that you know meets those goals? Not necessarily, but it can help guide you to which ones you're going to prioritize and put effort into researching and interviewing for. Um, and you know it doesn't have to be something concrete like what specific language I want to learn. It could be something like I would like to get mentorship in becoming a manager, you know, and that would inform your questions that you can ask your interviewer. It's like, what what does a, a career ladder look at this company? Mm-hmm. What what sort of steps and investments do you guys put into your employees to help them with career growth? Right. If if they say, oh, you know, we're just a startup and we're just trying to get a product out the door, they won't say that explicitly. But, you know, if if you know that they're just trying to get a product out the door, they're probably less focused on on trying to, you know, put you in a position where you can become a manager. Mm. Now, if if you know your goal is to become a manager, you might want to look at a company who's going through a growth phase where they're looking to 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 fill teams in, and part of that is. We need someone to lead this new team we're filling, right? If your goal is to become a manager or a team lead, guess what? You just found a role that would help you figure out what, what it is to, to mentor people. It lets you figure out what it means to guide technical decisions. Uh, and, you know, that it, assuming you have a great manager you're working under, he can start, you know, letting you take on some of his uh, day-to-day tasks as, as preparation for your next big move. Um, and you know, that's, that's sort of one thing that I've had to, had a reckoning with in, in my <laughs> last, last year here is, you know, what, what am I looking for? Cause mm. quite frankly, I've just gone from job to job, just, oh, I want to do something cool. That's very vague. And <laughs> how, how do you, how do you measure success on that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a good goal to have because then everything you're doing is by definition cool, right? <laughs> or by definition, everything's not cool. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I I think that's a good starting point for folks is figuring out, you know, just 
base things that you're looking for in your next position because mm. whether, whether that's growth whether that's learning a new tech stack whether that's figuring out if you know you want to be on the management track or the technical stack mm. you know starting point one uh, one thing that i would uh, kind of add with that uh, that i've noticed i i feel like there are a lot of people who um in their first uh, in their first couple of jobs they feel like they want to uh, like they're, they're saying things about like oh my goal is to learn this my goal is to learn that um i i kind of summarize it generally speaking to just they want to establish themselves as someone who's capable you know and and i think that that's okay as as an early career goal you kind of want to just know that you're a solid whatever it is right for us it's software engineer right you want to know that you're just a, a rock solid software engineer that you can be more or less thrown into any other place that needs software engineers and you can be a competent add to, onto that team i i feel like that's like a really common just first fresh out of uh, fresh out of school fresh out of code school whatever it is like that's usually a lot of people's goal initially. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my first job coming out of college, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, I don't know how I graduated, to be honest. Um, and you know, one, one one thing that I'm I'm grateful for, and this may not you know apply to everyone, but I I had my first job coming out was a consultancy, so I I had dipped my fingers into a lot of different projects different clients different industries through that and in doing so it sort of exposed me to well you know what what do i want to continue doing do i want to do you know ui work front end stuff uh do i want to do databases do i want to do devops i don't i, I coming out of college i don't know yeah <laughs> i just right. i'm just looking for a job at this point <laughs> but you know um part part of that goal that you said just you know uh knowing that you're capable one of your goals could be building confidence in the skill set that i have right uh i'm pretty sure i'm not alone in this but i, su I suffer from severe imposter syndrome like <laughs> i would i would love for you know and every job i go to you know it helps with with dealing with that but it doesn't ever go away like mm -hmm. i want to build confidence in what i'm doing and I'll tell you my current job, I'm doing Elixir, which is a whole brand new stack from what I've done in the past. You know, I've, I've done JavaScript and Ruby. And so there's a whole different programming paradigm. I'm no longer in object-oriented land. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like I literally don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, that's fine. That's completely fine. Yeah. Just, you know, be cognizant of it and take steps as in, in, you know, how do I build that confidence? You know, what, what parts of the stack do I understand and what do I don't? Um, and then just go from there, you know, it, it'll become more clear as you, you know, your career progresses as to what you like and what you don't like, what you want to deep dive into or what you want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I talk with a lot of people and imposter syndrome is probably one of the most common things that mm -hmm. comes up, you know, and, and it's weird because it comes up with literally everybody. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, is, is, is that a, a symptom of the personalities that go into computer science or? <laughs> that's a, that's a really interesting question. I, you know, I don't necessarily know if it's like a personality thing. 
uh, as you were saying that, I, I kind of was trying to think, like, what have I noticed that's even in common with people who necessarily have uh, or, or, or say they're suffering from imposter syndrome? The truth is, I don't think there is much personality wise. I think maybe it's just the the relative newness, I guess, of technology as an industry. I feel like uh, and doctors, nurses and, and, and people like that, like, please feel free to like, let me know if you guys suffer from <laughs> imposter syndrome, too. But I feel like for a lot more traditional um, careers, there's kind of a uh, for for being a doctor or a medical practitioner, you literally have something that's uh, that's handed to you and print it out and you hang it up on a wall super proud and i guess and that's kind of your your mark that says you are valid and qualified and and a doctor whereas mm -hmm. with software engineering you never really get to that point you like the industry has tried with different certifications and whatnot but because the industry has never looked at certifications in the same way there there isn't there really isn't any piece of paper that can say you're a good software engineer you kind of have to just arrive at that yourself. <laughs> and I'll I'll also add add ca a caveat to that is that you never reach expert level in my opinion. It's oh. it's an on ongoing process. You're constantly learning. Given that you know technology is always updating. I mean, look at JavaScript. How many frameworks have come out in the last two three years? Right. <laughs> you you can know a lot about JavaScript, but the moment that something big and hot new hotness comes out you have to you know be aware of it and if your next job has you doing it you're learning a completely brand new framework yeah. you're back you're back as a student yeah um, and it's 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 a never ending cycle and i think one thing most people need to realize is that you don't just become an expert and stay an expert mm. you're constantly learning and i think i think being humble and realizing that would put you in a position of success, right? Yeah. And bringing it back full circle, knowing that that is your your intent behind any job is that you're going to continually learn, removes any doubt about your intentions as an engineer. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just I to really bring like that around that. full circle there. Yeah, we're bringing. <laughs> I really like that. No, that's that's. Uh, I really really like that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when, when you kind of finally get to that point and you do come full circle with that, not just, you know, not just like saying it out loud, but like you actually feel very comfortable with that. I feel like a huge weight kind of gets lifted off of your shoulders. You know, I, I yeah. can almost, as you were saying that, I can almost think of the exact moment in the exact job where I suddenly felt like that was true for me and that was also when I started to feel confident as an engineer, you know, doing whatever it was that I was doing. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like that. Yeah, I mean, so it, it took me a while to get to that point. Uh, I mean, I'm, as I mentioned, eight years into software engineering. Uh, it's probably not until the last two years yeah. where I'm, I'm looking at job postings, not that, you know, I was actively looking, but the, the word senior or staff or you know principal always <laughs> scared me because I was like I always felt like I'm I'm not good enough for that I'm not good enough for that yeah but you know in the last two years I'm just like I don't have to be 
Yeah. Right. Like it's it's I could be jumping into the same tech stack, but they're working with different versions of that technology that I'm gonna have to relearn the nuances of that that version and that specific set of technologies that they're using and and you know that sort of maybe maybe this might be a, a topic for the next next episode here but what makes a great senior engineer oh and yeah i'm i'm going to just just leave this tidbit i don't think it's necessarily technological it's, uh, it's not about the tech you're using i love that i love it i think that's an excellent spot for us to, to to call with this first episode here, uh, Alan. Thanks so much, man. Uh, this has been this has been awesome, folks. Uh, if you're actually listening to this, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna fill this in with something later. <laughs> don't forget to tip your wait staff. Yeah, don't, don't forget to tip your wait staff. That's a good one. <laughs>